Well, we're going to jump right into this today, um, and so I'm going to skip the weekly joke. I, I know you're disappointed, and I, I had to make sure we didn't have any tomatoes out there. Somebody's booing. <laughs> we didn't have any tomatoes out there, because I know that that's what you come for, uh, but please forgive me. I figured since Lynn didn't tell one last week, I didn't have anything to top, so, so there you go. <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, I really feel like God has given me a very important truth to share with you today, and so I just want to jump right into this. I knew with the graduation, we'd, we'd have a little extra time there. So today, we're going to be starting a series that we're calling Set free. And I want to lay I want to lay a foundation for this today and then start to unpack it over the summer. A couple of months ago, about the time that we started the last series called Foolproof, I really felt like God had impressed upon me to do a series on freedom, not physical freedom, but spiritual freedom. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and take it out, turn to the book of Mark chapter 5. And verse number one, Mark chapter five and verse one. I'm gonna read a story from the life of Jesus to you. I'm gonna lay the foundation, then I'm gonna circle back at the end and talk about this passage of scripture. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, you need one, we have them available for you in English and Spanish. They're free. Just stop by the hub after service and ask them, and they'll they'll be more than happy to give you. A Bible. So here we go, Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 1, we're going to read the first 20 verses here. It says, So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the re- region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and he could no longer be rest- restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and he smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Verse 6, when Jesus was still some distance away, now watch what happens, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside of this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on a hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd of about 2,000 Pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake, and they drowned in the water. Verse 14, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Verse 16, then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. 
As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region, and he began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. I'm calling this message this morning, Greater is He. Father, for the next few moments, I ask that you would give me the mind of Christ. God, I believe, Lord, that you have impressed upon this series, upon my heart, for your people for this season. And so, God, in the name of Jesus, I do ask for your anointing. For God, unless you anoint me, these words will fall flat. They will be pointless. But God, if you anoint these words, they will change and transform the lives of your people. They will set your people free. So God, I thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the years, I know we kind of a a strange story here in the Word of God, but over the years I've come to know a lot of Christian people, good Christian people. They've been following Christ for years, but for some reason they continue to struggle with something in their life. Whether it be some kind of sin, maybe anger or jealousy or they struggle with depression or anxiety, etc. The list could go on. They're saved, but they're still in some kind of bondage that they can't break free from. Maybe you're in here today and you can relate to that. Basically, they're saved, but they're not free. There is a difference. I was a pastor for years, but I wasn't free. I was saved, yes, but I wasn't free. When you are free, it feels like there is a large weight that has been lifted from you, and in place of that, there is joy, there is peace. Basically, the heaviness that you feel, that you walk with on a daily basis is gone. And so many Christians today, we walk without joy, we walk without peace. Now, just to clarify... When we accept Christ as our Savior, we are set free, eternally speaking, in the sense that we have now been reconciled back to God. Sin separates us from God, and so there is a chasm or a large hole between us and between God, and it's called sin. We cannot cross that chasm on our own. So Jesus pays the price for our sin, and therefore he became the bridge, so to speak, over the chasm that connects us back to God. So when we accept his sacrifice and we confess him as our Lord and Savior, we are set free from spending eternity away from God. So eternally speaking, we are free. However, we've not entered eternity yet. We're still here on this earth. And because of that, we can carry some things with us. We can still struggle with certain things. For example, I had a good friend, or I have a good friend down in Phoenix, that tells the story of two of his family members and the way he puts it. He says they both smoked like a chimney. He said they smoked so much, these are just his words, he said you would get emphysema just being around them. That's the way he tells it. He said he would go to his family reunions, 
And he said you couldn't even see across the room. The smoke would be so thick. He said it was like being in a pool hall. He said, but they both radically got saved at the same time. But he said for one of them, smoking was a fight for the rest of their life. They fought that for the rest of their life. He said they prayed about it. He said they complained about it. But he goes, I want to tell you something. Deep down, the truth is they didn't want to give it up. He said they didn't want to surrender this part of their life over to God. And because of that, he said it ended up killing them. He said, now my other family member, they got saved at the same time, and just like that, they were totally delivered and set free from smoking. He said they never smoked again the rest of their life. Their life was totally transformed and changed. And that's the way it seems to work for some of us. For some of us, we see an immediate change. We see an immediate freedom from our past struggles. But for others of us, it seems to be a fight. The big part of getting free is the fact that you have to be willing to leave your old life of sin behind. Listen to me. If you enjoy the sin, you will stay enslaved to it. I'm going to say that again. If you enjoy the sin, you will stay enslaved to it. You will have great difficulty finding freedom if you enjoy the sin. And this pertains to any sin that we might entertain. Look at what James chapter 1 and verse 12 says. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those that love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation, now watch this, verse 14. you got to understand this. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. If you desire alcohol, that is what Satan is going to throw at your way. If you desire sex, he's going to hit you with that. If you desire money, if there's a greed issue, he's going to hit you with that. You will be tempted according to your desire. For instance, let me give you an example. I've never been drunk a day in my life. I've seen what it did to my mom. I've seen what drugs did to my mom. And I was one of those people that didn't take that same path. I went completely the other direction. Now, with that in mind, how often do you think I'm tempted with alcohol? Living in the drunkest state in the United States, how often do you think I'm tempted with alcohol? The answer to that question is never. I am never tempted with that. You see, it's not a desire of mine, so why would Satan waste his time and continue, continually throw that my way? He's going to come at you based on your desires to keep you in bondage. And it's important that you understand that. And this is why it is so important for us not to judge other people because their sin looks different than ours. They have different desires than you do, but you have desires and Satan's coming at you with those desires, I guarantee it. We all do. This is just one example. 
Many of us are still in bondage because we are carrying things with us and we refuse to let them go. Some of us are carrying unforgiveness. If you're carrying unforgiveness, you will not experience the freedom God wants you to experience. And that is why Satan continually keeps the offense in front of you because he does not want you to be free. Some of us are still carrying around resentment from something that happened to us years ago. Some of us are carrying bitterness, whatever it might be. And he keeps flashing that, that wrong that's been done to you into the forefront of your mind. And you think about it and you stew on it. You may through Christ be free eternally, but right now as it pertains to this life, it is very possible that you are still bound and the enemy can actually use Christians for, it's kind of like an oppression, we'll talk about that in other, other messages as well. Jesus wants you to be free. Satan, on the other hand, wants to keep you bound, he wants to keep you hurting, and there's a reason for that. There's a saying, and I've said this before, hurting people hurt people, but free people, free people. In other words, if you are hurting, if you are not free, you are more than likely going to lash out at other people and hurt them because misery loves company. You're going to have a difficult time, listen to me, you're going to have a difficult time being happy for someone else or showing love to someone else when you are hurting. If you have a difficult time being happy for your friends or for your neighbors when God blesses them and does something in their life, if you have a difficult time with that, you may not be free in this area. On the other hand, if you're truly free, your desire is for others to experience that same freedom because you know firsthand what experiencing that has done for you. You have felt the weight lifted, and as soon as you experience that, your desire is now for others to experience that as well. Some of you have never felt that weight lifted. You've carried it for years. It's worn you down, and you've come in here today, and you're weary, and I want you to know that God wants to set you free from that. These past couple years, I've seen so many Christians lash out at one and so many Christians another and hurt one another before. But the sad reality is, a lot of Christians aren't free. Hurting people hurt people. Free people, free people. You cannot take someone to a place you've never been. You cannot free someone if you are not free yourself. Jesus came to set the captives free. So over these next few weeks, I'm going to show you through the Word of God how to be free. Not only that, but I am believing. I can feel this in my spirit that God is going to radically set some of you free. I believe He's going to set everybody free that truly wants to be free. And I feel like there is an urgency from God to preach this series right now. I see the way our world is going. I see, I, I firmly believe we are getting closer and I believe it's, it's time to get to that place to God so we can rapidly go out and start setting others free. Recently, there was a study published that showed something very alarming to me. Currently, now get this, only 41% of lead pastors, leading churches, lead pastors, 41% have a biblical worldview. 
basically only 41% of pastors now preaching in the pulpit today here in America believe the Bible in its entirety. Six out of ten pastors here in America no longer believe that the Bible is the final authority. And it goes down from there. Let me, you pop the, if you guys could pop the chart up there. It goes down from there. Associate pastors, 28% of them have a biblical worldview. Teaching pastors, 13%. Think about that. One in ten teaching pastors that teach the Bible actually believe the Bible. That means you have a 90% chance to sit in a church service or watch some garbage online and listen to somebody that doesn't even believe the Word of God themselves. That is scary. And many of us have been influenced by a lot of this garbage that's happening right now. That's a tough pill for me to swallow. Children and youth pastors, 12%. And we wonder why we're having the problems that we are having here in America. Because it's been said, and you've probably heard this, as the church goes, the nation goes. As the church goes, the nation goes. Meaning, when the church is strong, it doesn't matter who's sitting in the Oval Office of the White House. When the church is strong, the nation will be strong. When the church goes downhill, the nation will follow. How do you think the United States of America became as strong and as powerful as we are? It's because we were founded one nation under God. That's how we became who we are today. One nation under God. And as the church is strong, the nation is strong. But we've removed God. And our pastors don't even believe it anymore. The spiritual leaders leading us don't even believe it anymore. Guys, we are in trouble. I'm so thankful for a staff here at Green Bay First that holds a strong biblical worldview because I see now that that's not common anymore. This is why I'm a firm believer in raising up leaders from within the church so I know where they stand on some things that I feel are non-negotiable. Every one of our staff members either came from inside this church or I served with them in another place and, and they moved here. And I know their heart. But I believe that God has given me this urgency to preach this series because we need to get back to the basics. We, we as the people of God, we need to get free so that we can start to free others. Listen to me, mark my words on this. I've already felt it. Satan is going to do everything he can to keep you away from the house of God during this series. Satan doesn't want you to be free. He knows that when you're free, he knows what happens. He knows then you start to free others. So the closer you get to God and, and the closer you get to experience in that freedom, the harder he's going to hit. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you the reality behind this. I've been doing this a long time. You're going to have a target on your back now. You see, listen to me. As it pertains to the Christian, this is what we've got to understand. Satan has already lost the battle for our salvation. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're going to heaven. There's nothing he can do about that. But if he can keep you in bondage, he will keep you ineffective from making other disciples, which Jesus commands us to do. Because we cannot set people free if we're not free ourselves. He'll do anything he can to keep you from getting free because he knows that once you become free, watch out. So make it a point right now 
to be in the house of God every week this summer. I'm telling you, keep God a priority. I understand it's summertime in Wisconsin, but again, make it a point to be here. You're only going to get out what you put in. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about a wide variety of things as it pertains to spiritual freedom. Be talking about the spirit realm, so you understand that. We'll be talking about angels and demons. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Don't miss that. I'm going to help you understand the role of the Holy Spirit and make it very clear. The Holy Spirit is a key part to you experiencing freedom. We're going to be talking about different ways Satan comes at you so that you can keep your guard up, the armor of God, therefore keeping the freedom once you are set free. Because you can slip back into your bondage, saved, yes, but in bondage. We're going to have some worship time at the end of some of the services where I'm going to encourage you to come down and be prayed over because I'm telling you, I firmly believe that God is going to radically set you free if you need to be free. I believe some of you are going to experience that weight being lifted off of you like I talked about earlier. So I encourage you, eliminate all excuses and be in in the house of God. Watching online is good for a season, but I'm encouraging you to be in the house the house of God. I love you. I want you to be free. I want you to experience what I've experienced, but even to a greater degree. So with that foundation laid, I want to tell you a story. In my first full-time ministry position, I was at a little church in Iowa. I was the children's pastor there. This was more than 20 years ago, so I would have been in my early 20s. A tall, slender man started attending the church very faithfully just very slender very tall man he was a bit socially awkward but he seemed like a very bright guy and he knew the word of God very well I'd say he probably knew the word of God better than I did at that time every Saturday night at five o'clock p.m. we would have a prayer meeting at the church and so we'd encourage everybody that wanted to show up they could they could show up but like most prayer meetings, this is the thing here in America, we, we'll watch 12 hours of football, but we won't pray for 30 minutes. Like most prayer meetings, you'd only get a very few faithful people that would show up each week, but every now and then you'd get someone else that would come in, they'd need you know, prayer through something difficult they were going in through, and so they would, they would show up wanting prayer. Well, one night, this particular man shows up to our prayer meetings, first time that he was, he was there. The lead pastor of the church that that I was under at that time asked if anybody wanted prayer for anything specific before we closed and after we prayed. And then this this man said, yeah, I'd I'd like you to pray for me. I'm going through some things right now. Um, could, could Could you guys pray for me? So we gathered around this guy like we typically do, just very normal, and we started praying over him. As soon as we started to pray, he started to behave in a very strange manner, unlike anything I'd ever seen before in my life. His eyes started to roll back in his head. His tongue popped out of his mouth and started making some strange movements, and his head started moving back and forth very awkwardly, almost acting like a snake to give you a visual. I remember thinking, man, there's, there's something wrong with this guy. He's having a heart attack. or there's, I, I didn't know what was going on. I, just, I thought that something was going on. And so I'm just kind of watching the, 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 my lead pastor to kind of see what he does. Do we call an ambulance? What do we do? The next thing I know, there was an older lady there that was almost at every prayer meeting. She was very faithful to the house of God. She was very faithful to the things of God. She was one of those dear older ladies that I call a prayer warrior that I love praying for me. She starts praying at a greater intensity, just a little thing. 
And when she did, she starts praying at this greater intensity. The guy falls flat on his back and he starts withering on the floor like a snake laying on his back. This lady immediately gets down on the floor. I don't know what's going on here. And she's just a small lady and she grabs his chin like wham, almost like like she's going to punch him. And she starts to yell in the name of Jesus, come out of him now. Now, again, at this point, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on. I have no clue. This is all happening so fast. Suddenly, the guy speaks in a very dark, scratchy voice, and he says over and over again, he's mine, he's mine, he's mine. The look on his face changed. It was complete anger, complete hatred. I've never seen anything like it in my life up to that point. The look on his face was something, to, a sight to behold. And it was at that moment that I realized that we were dealing with a demon inside of this man. Now, I'd read the stories in the Bible regarding this. Many times, Jesus confronted demons. We just read one of those. It was a natural part of his ministry. He delivered people from demons frequently, but I'd never seen it myself. And I remember thinking as I'm watching this unfold, dear Lord, this is for real. Finally, after what seemed like maybe an hour, it was only a few minutes, but it, you know, it's, when all this is happening, you're just like, you're just so glued to it. The, the guy's body just goes limp, and he's just laying there on the floor almost lifeless. You'll, you'll see this oftentimes in Scripture when, a, when Jesus casted out a demon. The, the body goes limp, almost lifeless. They're so tired and physically exhausted from the battle. And I remember standing there in awe. I never forget this, looking at the guy on the floor. Looked like he was dead. And I'm standing there in awe as I just watched with my own two eyes. Not a story I heard. I watched this. I watched a demon completely submit when the name of Jesus was spoken. It had no choice. That was the moment that I fully understood the true power in the name of Jesus. It is the name that causes demons to tremble. It is the name above all names. It is the name that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. The name of Jesus carries healing. It is the name that carries deliverance. It is the name that breaks addiction. It is the name that restores relationships. It is the name that has the power to set you free. Amen. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, Jesus quotes Isaiah chapter 61. He says this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus has the power to set you free. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've said. I don't care how much bondage and guilt you are carrying. None of that matters. The name of Jesus can set you free and who the Son sets free is free indeed. But some of you are saying, wait a minute, Pastor, you don't understand what I've done. I have crossed the line. God could never set me free from my sin, from what I've done. Well, if you believe that, let me finish the story. It gets better. After a few moments of the guy laying on the floor, he starts to get his strength back. We're just continuing to pray as, as he's laying on the floor there. And 
And when he gets off the floor, he's just weeping. And he kept saying, I feel so free. I feel so free. I've never felt this before. So God had set him free. Now listen. (laughs) Now listen. You think what you've done is bad. Now remember, he was at this time a regular attender. He was serving in the church. He would come in and he would sing the songs in the worship service and he had a demon. He was held in bondage. Nobody knew it until it manifested itself in a prayer meeting. Some of you are thinking, boy, this pastor's nuts up there talking about demons. This is us all just a fairy tale. Well, you can think that. I'll still love you. You could choose not to believe it, but I'm telling you, I've seen this with my own eyes. There's no denying. And I've seen this more than once. This was the first time. I've seen things in homes. We've prayed over homes and had some things happen. we've, We've seen this stuff. Was I a bit skeptical before that? Well, I'd be lying to say I wasn't. You know, you read it in the Bible, but until you see it, you know, it's, but when you see it, you can't deny it. Jesus told his disciples, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those that believe but do not see. Because it's harder for us to believe something if we don't see it. That's why it's called faith. Believing in something you cannot see. And that's why I'm trying to do here in this first message of the series, I'm trying to build your faith for you to believe that God can set you free regardless of what you have done. The chains of bondage that have enslaved you are about to be broken, not because some fancy words spoken by a pastor, but because the Spirit of Almighty God is in this place and He wants you to experience the freedom that He came to give you. Back to the man in my story. After he picked himself up off the floor... Actually, if you come back next week, I'll tell you how it ends. (laughs) I used to do that with the kids, and they would, uh, but anyway. After he picked himself up off the floor and he regained his composure, he started to spill the beans. The guy's just weeping. He said for years he was involved in the satanic cult. Now listen to me. He said his position within the satanic cult was a breeder. I don't know what that was. What's that? Nobody, in the, nobody <laughs> knew what that was, so he explained. He said his job within the satanic cult was to impregnate women for the sole purpose of sacrificing the child to Satan once they were born. True story. Not making this up. It's all done under the radar, so the birth's not recorded. My jaw hit the floor. I, I, was, I was like, I remember thinking, this, that's really a thing? People really do that? Yes. And that's what he did for years. And I watched the power of God set him free. Don't tell me God can't set you free. If God can set that guy free, God can set you free. There is power in the name of Jesus and whatever was inside of him, I seen it submit when the name of Jesus was spoken. And it had to leave, it had to flee, because it is the name above all names. People have asked me why the church isn't on the side of our buses, the church name. It's because I wanted the name that makes demons tremble all over the city. A few weeks back, we had a young man, I had a young man approach me after service. It was his first week here. He said he was out in the, his backyard at home one night, and he and his wife were in an argument, pretty heated argument. He said as we were arguing, he seen one of our buses drive by with the name of Jesus printed down the side. 
He said, I watched the bus pull away, and to be honest, I, I couldn't even remember what we were arguing about. True story, that's what he told me. He said, I had to find out who runs those buses and visit that church. The name of Jesus has the power to set you free. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Greater is he. He has all authority. He has all power. He has defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he wants to set you free. Here in the story we read earlier, we see a man in bondage. Here in Mark chapter 5. Tormented by several demons. Because of this, he lives his life in isolation and his behavior is a bit erratic to say the least. Along comes Jesus. Now this man wanted to be free. Look at what he does when he sees Jesus. Verse 6 again. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. And with a shriek, here's the demon, rearing its head. He screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? God, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. This man runs to Jesus. When he comes into the presence of Jesus, the demon immediately begins to manifest itself. The guy I told you about earlier, all was well until we started to pray over him. Jesus tells us, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there with you. The very presence of God will cause demons to manifest, and that's what we see here in Mark. Here is a man who has been tortured for who knows how long, and in one moment, in the presence of Almighty God, he is completely set free and delivered. I want you to know that one encounter with Almighty God can set you free from years of bondage. One moment, one encounter, that's all it takes, and look at the end result. I'm going to have the worship team come back up at this time. Verse 14, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. See what happens when we're set free? This is why Satan wants to keep you in bondage. Because once you're free, the word spreads and it allows others to witness and experience the goodness of God. Verse 15, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. I suppose so. There this man sits, fully clothed, perfectly sane, set free. God has the power to set you free as well. Greater is he. We're going to close service a little bit different today. The worship team's going to play and we're going to have a time of prayer before we leave. I want to encourage you to really press into God this morning. Really press in. God might speak to you something, a, a certain sin in your life that you've been holding on to that you haven't wanted to let go. Because the truth is that you enjoy it. You might complain about it. You might keep saying, boy, I need to change that. Boy, I need to give it up. But the truth is you enjoy it, so you keep going back to it. So if there's something in your life that you need freedom from, when I'm done here today, 
I'm going to say a prayer and then I'm just going to invite you down. I just I want you to come down to the front. I'm going to come around and, and pray for you today. You don't have to tell me what it is you're needing freedom from. You, you, it's, this isn't between you and me. This is between you and God. I don't have the power to set you free. I don't. I'm just a mere man like I'm just just like you guys, just no different. I'm nothing special. I just believe that God can set you free. And you need to believe it too. And so when they start to play, I want to, I want to encourage you to come down and I just, I'm going to come pray for you, but I just, I, I want you just to, just to seek after the face of God. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that your sin is too great. Remember the story of the man that I told, that, that I witnessed? Boy, I, <laughs> that's about as real as it gets right there. And if God can set him free, greater is he. So the team's going to play. I encourage you to come down here to the front. As a matter of fact, could we, could we all stand to our feet? There's something about coming down to the front. Because we like to stay in our little bubble of safety. We don't like to take a risk like that. I don't want anybody to know that that I need set free from stuff. I, I, I needed set free from stuff. I don't want anybody to know that's, that's called pride. And the Word of God tells us that God resists the proud. But what does He do? He gives grace to the humble. Something happens when you humble yourself before the Lord. When you get to the place where you say, I don't care who knows. God, I need your help. I need your freedom. And so we're going to play this last song. And I just encourage you to come down to the front. There's something in your life that you need freedom from today. I just encourage you to come down to the front. I'm just going to walk around. I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to ask God to set you free today. So as we play, as we play this song, come on down. Go ahead, team.